0: Thanks, Alison and Kaz. Uh, If you keep that open, that's what we're going to look at for now. Um, Now, if you know me, you'll know that I can't... I'm not very good at watching medical dramas because I can't stand the sight of blood. And so I was a bit surprised when Liz suggested that I watch a new TV show called New Amsterdam. Now, if you don't know New Amsterdam, it's about a doctor who becomes the medical director of one of America's oldest public hospitals, New Amsterdam is what it's called. And the main character, Dr. Max Goodwing, comes in aiming to reform the hospital. And on on his first day, he gathers the medical staff and he asks, how can he help them? And the staff seem disengaged. This is their fifth director in five years. Then he tries again. Everyone in the cardio department, raise your hands. Don't be shy, get them up there. Great, great, thank you, you're all fired. Um, Now, that's not the reason why Liz thought I'd like the show. Um, But uh, then he goes on to say, any department who puts billing above care, no matter how much you make for this hospital, you'll be terminated. And I'm sitting there thinking, actually, I like this show already, I'm loving it, I, I love reform, I, I want things to be changed and I want things to be restored to how they ought to be. It's got me, I'm in, I'm going to watch it until they do a surgery and then I'm out. But um, apart from that, I'm in. But I, I love TV shows where there's the desire for reform and change of wanting something what's better. And uh, of course, you know, you've know, got to calm down because it's just a TV show um, but, it's, but when you switch the TV to reality, um, that's what we want, isn't it? Um, you know, just this week, there 100,000 women marched on Monday. And why do they march? Because they want action. They want change. They want the end for gendered violence towards women. Uh, and they delivered a petition to Parliament and hundreds of survivors make their voice heard. But, you know, it's one thing for people to be heard uh, it's another thing for there to be action. And, you know, reform is never simple. I think some um, crazily have suggested a, an uh, um, an app. Oh, man, how crazy is that too? Um, if you don't know about that, you can look that up. Um, some have suggested changing legislation. Um, but legislating these sort of things doesn't seem to be the answer and people are in two minds. Because if you legislate, then, well, what difference does that make when the criminal justice system seems to just fail victims? And it's incredibly depressing and discouraging. But we want action, don't we? We want to see change. Um, But it's not just change in our society. we We want to see reform in our own lives. I've noticed, because probably that's where I'm at, I want to see change in my life. I've noticed the amount of books about habits have increased over the last, I don't know, portion of, I don't know, 10 years, uh, I feel like there's, there's plenty of books about developing good habits. And, and the idea goes that if you develop good habits, then you can change your life. So change your schedule, change your life. That's, that's the title of the book. It, it's, pr- it's a pretty big call, don't you think? But we all want reform. We want things to be better than what they are. And as we look at Matthew's gospel, Jesus comes to bring something radically new. And that's what we heard last week. And if you missed last week, man, you missed a a cracker of a sermon. Um, Not because Mitch is my trainee. I I, I I didn't teach him any of that. But um, he not only unpacked the Bible, but he unpacked Taylor Swift. And that was probably the highlight for me. Just kidding. But Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. I mean, what a line. But that's the point, isn't it? Jesus hasn't come simply just with Band-Aids. He's actually come with more than Band-Aids to... Do something completely new radical for our world he's come to make a real difference and it's not just for the nation of israel and it's not just for you and me but it's actually for the whole world i mean that's where we're heading to in matthew 28 it's going to be for the whole world but when we look at what we just read previously we we um jesus says that he's the new wine that's what he's saying i mean that's um why does he say he's the new wine well, he says he's the new wine that can't be stored in old wine skins, um, and he's just making that point again that he's come here to bring something completely new. And we see this incredible new things that Jesus is coming to bring through the two miracles that we land in verses 18 onwards. And Jesus is wanting to show you that he's here to bring restoration. And he's not here to be tied to the old, even though the old is important, as he states in Matthew Matthew 5 to 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. But when we look at these two miracles, we're going to understand the difference that Jesus makes. Now, if you don't know at the time, um, maybe you're new to Jesus, um, the time in which Jesus is living, Israel are technically uh, under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament laws and these laws were there to show how one ought to love God and love neighbor but not only the laws were there to show you how to love the laws were introduced to help Israel who were tainted by sin and death how to work out how to relate to God holy God sinners tainted how do how does a nation of Israel uh, welcome a holy God to dwell in their midst so there's laws about purity and how to engage properly with a holy God. And that's why God gave the Israel these rules around purity. And as we see in these two miracles, despite the good laws that God gave, it just reinforced how, how sinful and how unclean the people are. And that's the problem with the old system, the old laws, the old laws that Jesus had come to, in some sense, fulfil and trump. The old system with its laws made it clear that Israel had a problem with sin and death and Jesus has come to reverse the effects and he's come to bring a new kingdom and a new world. And these two miracles show us a taste of that. And so in the first miracle, we see that the young daughter of the synagogue leader has died and it's clear that the old covenant has no answer to death. Okay, that's clear. That's why Jesus came come to bring the new, because the old cannot give us an answer concerning death. And in the second miracle, an older woman comes, she's been undergoing terrible bleeding, and she's been bleeding for 12 years, and under the Old Testament purity laws, there was no way for her to become completely clean, because of this ongoing bleeding. Yeah, maybe that might stop for a time, but there was no way that she could be declared clean. And so we see in each miracle, Jesus is bringing in something radically new. And so what we're going to do for the rest of our time, we're going to start off with the uh, older woman first, and then we'll go to the daughter who has died. When we come across this poor woman who's been subject to bleeding for 12 years, get that, Um, into your head 12 years I mean for some of you that's nothing because you've been chronically suffering for a longer than that but for punks like me man 12 years is a long time to be suffering she isn't well and under the laws of the old testament because of her bleeding she's perpetually ceremonially unclean before and that means a lot it means exclusion it means just feeling um, isolated and so we want to see that under the old, uh, it was limited, it just reminded of her impurity. But under the new, under Jesus, remarkably, she'll be restored, she'll be cleansed. And this is beautiful. Um, the reason why she is declared unclean is because blood is associated with death. Death is associated with sin. And if you put that with a holy God, they're incompatible. So not only would she have felt her uncleanness, but... The uncleanness in the Old Testament was to is kind of described as contagious, and we get what contagious means now, don't we? If you don't, where have you been? But COVID, I mean, COVID is just like it just screams like it's contagious, and so we isolate, we physically distance, we put sanitizer, we make sure there's um, space between us, we don't see. You know, it's it's all that. But if you think of this woman who is unclean being unclean in some sense in Old Testament laws is contagious. You can understand how sad that is. But you can also understand her secretive kind of approach to Jesus, verses 20 and 21. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Do you get that sense that? She really doesn't want to be noticed. She doesn't want to make a scene. She just wants to get in there, touch the cloak of Jesus, and out, I'm out. But technically, under Jewish law, Jesus—if—if if she were to touch Jesus, wouldn't he be unclean? But no. Remember, Jesus is the new wine. He's bringing something radically new. Jesus had come to bring something that this woman obviously desired and and longed for. Uh, And this woman, even though maybe she didn't quite understand how Jesus would heal her, she had this extraordinary trust. She may have heard all that Jesus had done and unlike the Pharisees who try to deny what Jesus was doing, she looks towards Jesus for help. And so by secretly creeping up to Jesus, you can imagine a sense of dread. Oh man, if you're trying to be... I'm not a great spy because I have crunchy... Feet make, well, they, they make loud noises. Okay, maybe that's not the right definition for my feet. But, uh, but you can imagine if you're trying to creep, you can, I think your heart's beating, don't you reckon? And you, you, you're fearing possibly what might be the ramifications. Um, but then, so sh- you can imagine what she's expecting Jesus to say in verse 22, have a look. Jesus turned and saw her. How dare you? Oh no, I tricked you. It's different. All right, let's have a look at the Bible. Verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her take heart, daughter. Oh, my goodness. That's gonna, that just melts your heart. I don't know what does, okay? That's got to melt your heart. He said, your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed at that moment. Whew. Oh, I love it, isn't it? Like, take heart, daughter. There's so much to be said about those three words. It's like um, Jesus embraces this woman, Uh, by those three simple words she is loved she is named daughter whereas we don't know her name before and she is known I think that's why Matthew says Jesus turned and he saw her maybe I'm making more of that than what it is but I, I get the sense that Jesus actually saw her whereas others would ignore her and so I um I don't know if I'm making more of that but um But Jesus sees her, assures her, and loves her, and she's cleansed. And that's wonderful, isn't it? I think even in this small interaction, um, we see the ultimate example of how men ought to treat women. Don't you reckon? Oh, man. And I think for men here, for us men, we must take note of how Jesus treats this woman. He is not harsh, he is gentle. He is tender-hearted and kind and he sees her as precious. If you follow Christ, this is how you ought to treat women, don't you think? There is nothing that Jesus does here to suggest that belittling women is okay. There is nothing to suggest that we treat women as sexual objects or things to be used. Jesus sees her as precious daughter. But putting that aside, which is I think an important thing, um, let's go back to the miracle. Remember how the woman thought that if she just touched the edge of Jesus' cloak she'd be healed? Well, thankfully Jesus clarifies that and says, actually, it's not the fact that you touched my cloak, although it's a pretty fancy, I don't know, he probably didn't say that, but he says to her, clarifies and says, your faith has healed you. Um, She's not cured by magic. All along, it's her confidence in Christ's ability that heals her. The woman's trust in Jesus is what helped her. It's the trust in Christ. And I think what Matthew also wants us to see here is that the healing of the woman and forgiveness are really quite closely tied. Um, If you were to literally sort of read this, it would be that um, instead of uh, your faith is healed, you're a saved woman. And uh, this makes even more um, sense when we understand that Matthew has already described Jesus as a spiritual doctor to sinners. And not only that, on top of that, uh, we've seen Jesus in the beginning of this chapter, he has has the authority to forgive. And so even though Jesus is reversing the effects of sin by healing this woman, Um, It's no surprise that Matthew shows us that healing and forgiveness are closely tied and that in some sense this this woman being healed is a metaphor for us. And the new thing that Jesus does for us is that He cleanses our spiritual decline or He gives us spiritual health in forgiveness. And even though maybe for some of us we're under chronic pain or we know of people um, where we long for them to be healed... Um, Jesus hasn't ultimately come to fix our old lives. Um, He's committed to bringing in the new life of a world to come. And that means healing isn't the priority. It's actually, well, the spiritual health of your heart is the priority. He wants to make you fit for the new life with a clean heart full of forgiveness. And that's why Jesus will endure the cross to ensure there is forgiveness from God. Yes, we may want things in our world to change, but fundamentally, we need our hearts to be changed. Uh, Instead of sin-tainted hearts that shape our behaviours to be destructive and unloving, we need forgiven hearts to shape us so that we can contribute and love well. And so I think this reminds us that change starts with forgiveness and the healing of our spiritual health. let's now move on to the daughter of the synagogue leader and we'll um we'll, we'll look at this one and then we'll finish in the synagogue leader we have a representative of the jewish religion i think matthew um in some ways is wanting you to see the connection of this synagogue leader to the old and so it comes as quite a shock that this man who's connected to the old in terms of the um the old jewish ways, is is in desperation when he comes to Jesus and it's understandable that he's desperate his daughter has died and there is no law that can bring a daughter back to life and in fact what he asks Jesus to do goes against the laws to do with the dead i don't know if you notice but the ruler asks Jesus to lay his hand on his dead daughter now, going back to the purity laws, or the, uh, if you were to do that, if you were to lay your hand on someone who was dead, you needed to be ceremonially cleansed on the third and seventh days. And so the Old Testament laws would, would remind you about how that would happen. And so for this ruler, who you would think would know of the Old Testament laws, asking Jesus to come and lay his hand on his dead daughter, either he's gone mad or he actually believes that Jesus can do something completely new. He's not concerned. And so we see here, under the old, there's no answer to death. But with Jesus, we see that death is not the end. And for somehow, this man sees that about Jesus. That under the old, death was just part of life, but under this man, Jesus, under the new, death is the gateway to life. However, as Jesus enters the leader's home, he's met with ridicule. Have a look at verse 23. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, "Uh, go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. Um, So as Jesus enters the dead girl's house, he's just engulfed with the noise of mourners, Uh, And that's the crowd and the pipes being played. I hope it wasn't bagpipes, that's just, anyway, I hope it wasn't bagpipes, but maybe it was, that might make it a more tragic affair. But uh, according to Jewish custom, uh, that's not expressed in the scriptures, um, there was a normal mourning time. And in this case, professional mourners were hired who would then be joined by relatives and friends and their loud wailing, hence the noisy crowd. And I think these just details just reinforce that the girl is definitely dead. Okay, we, I think we've just got to be clear, and that's why they laugh at Jesus. And when he declares to them that the girl is only asleep, but it, secondly, just reiterates that the old customs had no answer to death; there could only be mourning and weeping. And now that Jesus is here, death is not the end. Have a look at verse twenty-five. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. But I want you to notice the verse before when Jesus says, go away, the girl is not dead, but asleep. Now the girl's definitely died. But I think it reinforces that for in Jesus, death is not the end. And by taking the girl's hand... Jesus isn't made unclean. He restores this girl's life. Jesus makes this girl alive. For anyone else to hold this girl's hand would would mean they would need to purify themselves. But with Jesus, he is new. He is bringing something that hasn't been seen before. Death is not the end. Now, we've all been affected by sin. Our lives are tainted by it. It impacts everything about us. And at the end of the day, Death awaits all of us as our just punishment. But for Jesus, although tempted, he never sinned. And he came to save sinners. He came to put an end to death. The Old Testament highlights sacrifice is needed to pay, sacrifice is needed for forgiveness, sacrifice is needed for atonement. And then here comes Jesus, and he brings a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And it's only by the shedding of His own pure blood that we are made pure and clean, that we have had God's anger appeased. And it's on that cross, Jesus takes death by the hand and He crushes it. And because of His resurrection, He opens up a way through death into eternity. Oh my goodness, how good is that? Oh, 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 so good. His resurrection is now our future and therefore when we die, we can truly say that we are asleep for a time. So, let's just bring it on home, hey? Can you see how incredible Jesus is? And now, and not only that, how He wants to offer you life, restoration and wholeness. Yes, we may go through suffering and pain, but the ultimate goal is life, restoration and wholeness this is what these little miracles are evidence of and so if you haven't put your trust in him can i encourage you to keep going to jesus keep going to him i mean i love the fact that the the woman's faith wasn't completely worked out she thought oh yeah if i touch the tassels of his i'll be all right but uh that's the beauty jesus wants you to just trust him come and trust him And no matter how much your life is sorted, you can have the synagogue leader life sorted or the daughter, sorry, the woman who's been bleeding kind of life sorted or not sorted. But the problem is death will always be in the way. And Jesus offers you a fresh start in spiritual health. And this is where real change occurs. And so don't refuse your need for Him. I mean, we all desperately need Christ. And I think on the other side, don't refuse to give Him the glory. Only Jesus can bring what He brings. Go to Him in your desperation. Go to Him and give Him your confidence. Jesus brings something radically new that will satisfy our desires. He doesn't simply bring something that the Old Testament could offer, but He achieves something that not even our world can achieve. Legislation. I mean, legislation doesn't make your heart right. Laws won't change everything about what is lurking inside your heart in how you see others, in how you treat others. Jesus gets to the heart of what is wrong with our world. The injustice of sexual assault cannot be fixed by laws. Yes, it may be helped. I'm not saying that we shouldn't think about that. But remember, they are only band-aids. In God's new kingdom where sin and death are eradicated, only there can there be perfect harmony, only there can there be perfect justice. Here we are witnessing Jesus cleansing sinful hearts and fixing distorted loves. That's what we, that's what we kind of hope for. Well, going back to the TV show, uh, New Amsterdam, uh, in that same first episode, uh, the director is trying to chase after a doctor who's, who's sort of kind of given up the doctoring and becoming like an advocate for the hospital. And at one stage, Max gives Helen this ultimatum and says, look, if you don't come back from your media duties in 48 hours, then you probably shouldn't be coming back. But surprisingly, at the end of the episode, Helen comes back. And Max says to her, I didn't think you were coming back here. And Helen replies, well, neither did I. Max then says, trying to kind of assess her, he says, well, there's so much death here, it got to you, didn't it? But Helen replied, no, I became immune to it, which is even worse. Why did you come back? Because of you. People were excited, Max. And for the first time in a long time, people are excited again. I want to be excited too. I think as Christians, as we kick on, we can get terribly bored with what Jesus brings. Don't you think? We kind of like lose the excitement of the incredible thing that Jesus can do in our world. We become immune to the the terrible and desperate needs of our world. We, We become even immune to death and we forget the wonder of what Jesus brings and we play down the impact of what we can do and our difference that we can make. But when we remember how incredible that Jesus, what he does and what he brings, then I hope that that actually kindles a bit of excitement in your heart. You know, you've been cleansed. That is a precious thing. It's, it's only been because of the blood of Christ that you can be holy. You can be pure in heart because of what Jesus has done for you. And you can live a life of holiness and love. That's the only reason why you can do it is because of Christ, I went to a funeral recently, and it was probably for a funeral, a great attempt of trying to look positively at death. Encouragement, you know, for people not to be sad. You know, the the deceased wouldn't want you to be sad. Or you should be a better person like this person here. Good intention wishes of seeing the deceased again. But it just leaves you with emptiness, doesn't it? But here we've been reminded Jesus offers rock-solid hope. Death it does not have to be the end. So I hope you've seen that Jesus is bringing something new and I want you to hopefully be excited about it because it's incredible. I'll pray. Father, thanks so much for um, sending Christ that you didn't leave us in our sin and you didn't leave us in in the death that surrounds us, but you've brought us from death to life and you've given us pure and clean hearts. Lord, please kindle the excitement of what it means to trust in Jesus yet again. And uh, we pray that through us, you'd help us to make a difference as we live lives of hope and as we live lives forgiven.